You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. This is a new edition this year, and I'm so excited about it. And in this series, we're going to be talking about relationships. You know, God really created relationships. Relationships uh, was God's idea, and he wants us to have mutually fulfilling joyful relationships. However, there are times when relationships don't bring joy and they don't bring happiness and they're not mutually fulfilling. And whereas it's important for us to talk about that positive side, I want to talk about the other side when relationships are not good. So for the next few sessions, we're going to talk about from the subject, Toxic Relationships 101. Toxic Relationships 101. And our specific topic uh, tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this is no time to waste. You know, we don't have time to be wasting in bad relationships. Our theme is recognizing and dealing with toxic relationships. I have a scriptural uh, background text that I think is powerful. Listen to it. I'm going to read Matthew 7, verse 6 in the New Living Translation. It says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Holy Spirit spoke to me uh, some time back, and I keep a journal, and this is what the Spirit of God said to me. He said, we cannot continue to make wrong choices and be successful. We make wrong choices because of ignorance. We make wrong choices because we're ignorant of people, places, and things. I like to quote that again for you. God said, we cannot continue to make wrong choices and be successful. We make wrong choices because of ignorance. We make wrong choices because we're ignorant of people, places, and things. We're talking about toxic relationships and no time to waste. Very first point I like to make is toxic people exist. Toxic people exist. Now, toxic relationships can exist in any context. Toxic relationships exist in families, There are some marriages that are toxic relationships. Sometimes they're toxic relationships between parents and children. Sometimes there are in-law toxic relationships. And then there are times when there are sibling relationships that are toxic. So toxic people exist. So how do toxic relationships affect us? How do toxic relationships affect us? 
they, number one, drink us, number two, they demean us, and then number three, they distract us. Whether it be on an individual level, or whether it be a corporate group or a team, toxic relationships drain us of joy, drain us of peace, drain us of profit, drain us of of, of gain. Toxic relationships demean us, cause a loss of self-esteem or respect for ourselves, make us feel worse rather than better about ourselves. And then thirdly, toxic relationships distract us from other healthy relationships or other potential healthy relationships. Now, I will have you to know this. Often we don't realize, but Satan loves it when we invest time, money, and energy in bad relationships. He absolutely loves it. In fact, there are times when he plots relationships, he arranged relationships, and he encouraged us in our relationships. Now, I um, have pastored for 40 years. This this is my 40th year pastoring. And um, I know how we talk about relationships. We say, stand. We say, hold on. We say, keep the faith. We say, believe God. We say, don't quit. And in many cases, that's that's proper. It is important that we navigate through difficult relationships and problematic relationships. And and I've been married for 43 years, um, moving toward 44 now. And yet my wife and I had some very difficult times in our marriage journey. And we stood and we 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 uh, kept the faith and we didn't quit and we didn't give up. And and God has blessed us with a quality uh, marriage. I think the problem, though, sometimes with the stand, keep the faith, don't quit, is that we can develop an imbalance in the minds and the hearts of people such that once when they experience failure or come up short in their relationships, they feel so much guilt because it did not work. Well, I want to look at the other side of this thing. And I don't want to, I'm not going to talk specifically. We will compare some things, but I want to talk about toxic relationships. And then I want to pose a question, but I want to use a, a quick illustration or analogy. Have you ever been watching a movie and they began the movie by showing you the end, the end, and then they backed up and began to to walk out the, the film or the movie. Well, in a way, this first lesson, Toxic Relationships 101, this first lesson, I'm gonna gotta kind of begin at the end. I'm gonna look at 
a relationship that did not work. It ended. And I'm going to talk from that vantage point. So I want to pause a question and remember toxic relationships uh, exist in, in all kinds of contexts. It's not just romantic relationships. In fact, just this week, an NFL uh, star football player literally took off his uniform, throwed his uniform down, and left the team, quit the team. That's an illustration of a toxic relationship. So I want to pose a question to you, and it's going to be a different kind of question. What if it is God's will that you stop trying to make the relationship work? Now, I know that's different, but I want to pose that question. What if it is not, what if it's God's will that you stop trying to make the relationship work? Now, that's strange because we all know that it's God's will for relationships to work. But I'm just looking at another side. What if it's God's will for you to stop trying to make that relationship work? Now, listen at this. If the more you engage the relationship, you keep running into a wall, then it's obvious that continued engagement is not the solution. I said that again. If the more you engage the relationship, you're doing everything you know to make the relationship work, but you keep running into a wall, then continued engagement is not the answer. Real talk. Let's talk. Let's talk real. Just you and I. Real talk. There are some cases where a relationship is so unproductive, so unhealthy, that the only real solution is to remove the person out of your relationship space. I'll say that again because I know that hits you. I know that hits you in a different kind of way. There are some cases where a relationship is so unproductive and so unhealthy that the only real solution is to remove the person out of your relationship space at best. The only real solution or at the very least, limit your exposure to that person if you cannot eliminate the relationship. Now, listen at this, because there are so many believers who are guilt tripping, full of condemnation, because they tried to work it and tried to make it happen. They did everything. They fasted. They prayed. Now, listen at this. Elimination is not always unloving. Well, you said, would it be unloving if I stopped trying? No, no, no. Elimination is not always unloving. 
In fact, in some cases, elimination is loving yourself. Elimination does not equate to failure on your part. Elimination, removing a person out of your relationship space does not equate in all cases to failure on your part. In fact, in some cases, eliminating people out of your relationship space is the wisdom of God. You said, but I lost. I lost that relationship. I invested so much money. Well, so much time. Let's look at it a little bit different. Let's not think about it as being your loss. Let's think about it being the person's loss. The person that you eliminated out of your relationship space rather than thinking, I lost that. I lost that. Why not think about the fact that that person lost a quality relationship in you? Now, I know this seems strange to you for me to even talk about talk about removing people out of your relationship space. But when we look at the scripture and you see the word is the answer, we base our believing and our actions and our thoughts on scripture. We see that Jesus at times walked away from relationships. He walked away from others. And there were times that he let others walk away. And he didn't chase them. He let them walk away. There were times he walked away. I'll give you some illustrations. Over in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through verse 38, the prior verses said that Jesus had been ministering in this particular region for a long period, of, all day long. He was healing and ministering deliverance and, and the power of God was released. And then the next day, the scripture says, Early in the morning, Jesus wrote, separated himself, and prayed. Then Peter and the other disciples were searching for Jesus. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they found him in this solitude place praying. And when he finished, they said, Master, come back. We got to come back. There's a crowd of people and they need you. They need what you have to offer. Listen what Jesus said to them. Jesus says, let's go to the next town that I might preach to them also. Notice, Jesus was not led by other folks' needs and other folks' demands. Think about it. All these requests, all this situation, but he prayed. And that's what you should be doing about your relationship. But because we've heard such an imbalanced teaching about hanging there, standing there and believe God and, and fast and pray, we thought that we had to make the relationship work. Well, they need me or I need them. But Jesus says, I'm going to the next town. Maybe there's a next relationship for you. Maybe it's God's will that you have a next relationship. In John chapter 8, verse 59, the Bible says, Then they took up stones to throw 
at Jesus. Now watch this. And Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now Jesus, they, they, were, they picked up rocks to hit Jesus. I mean, rocks that were putting knots on your head. The Bible says Jesus hid himself. Jesus didn't stand. Well, I'm going to stand. I'm just going to stand. I'm going to believe God that they're not going to hit me. No, the Bible says Jesus hid himself. And there are some people who need to leave damaging relationships. They're bruised. The relationship is bruising you physically in some cases, emotionally in other cases, and in some cases, physically and emotionally. Jesus hid himself. He didn't stand. He didn't believe God. He didn't pray. He left. Then in Luke 23, verses 8 through 9, Herod, Herod, who was an enemy, I mean, he was demon-possessed. When he got an audience with Jesus, he said, do a miracle for us. We want to see a miracle for you, from you. And the Bible said that Jesus answered him not a word. He didn't even pay attention to him. He didn't, because he knew he wasn't sincere. He knew he wasn't. He didn't want the gospel. He didn't want to hear. He didn't want to change. In fact, when Jesus didn't answer him, he began to mock Jesus, which showed his true intent. And Luke, uh, in Matthew 8, 34, this is after Jesus went into a region. He went through a storm to help one demon-possessed man. He went through the storm. And some of you, you're going through the storm to try to help people. You're going through the storm. And he went through the storm, got there, delivered the demon-possessed man. And then he commanded the demons to come out of the man and to go into the hogs. And the hogs ran across the cliff. And the Bible says the whole town came out. The whole town came out after this miracle. And they saw this man clothed and in his right mind. Clothed in his right mind. And you know what they asked Jesus to do? The whole town, they asked Jesus, you need to leave. Wow. Here Jesus came to help. He came to try to deliver. He trained to support, to bless. And they said, you need to leave. They didn't want his help. Like one person said, they chose pork chops over Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He didn't say, come on, guys, but I came to help you and, and, and let's work this thing out. Let's get together. We need to love each other. The Bible says he got in a boat and left. There were situations where Jesus walked away from situations. And then there were other situations where Jesus let others leave and he didn't chase them. In Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler said, what must I do? Uh, to, to be saved. And Jesus gave him, the, gave him what he needed to do. That boy turned around. When Jesus started talking about giving, he turned around and left. Jesus didn't run out. Hey, God, hey, come back, come back, come back. No, Jesus let him leave. In John 6, 60, verse 66 through 67, Jesus was challenging these believers in an area of commitment. And the Bible says, 
they all turned and walked away from Jesus and they no longer walk with him. And Jesus then run behind and said, hey, guys, I didn't mean that. That may have been a little too tough. I'm sorry I was talking about commitment. I'm sorry. Listen, you don't have to commit. No, no, come back. No, he turned to his other disciples and said, are you going to leave too? Wow. Judas got up and left. Judas decided he was going to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew he was going to betray him. Now, he had helped him for three and a half years, discipled him for three and a half years, blessed him for three and a half years, and then he decided he's going to betray Jesus. And Jesus looked at him at what we call the Last Supper. He said, now what you do, do quickly, go ahead on. And he didn't try to stop Judas. So many of you are trying to stop Judas. So many of you pray and fasting for Judas to stay. Fasting for Judas to stay on you, stay with you, stay on the team. Believe in God for Judas to hang around. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus spoke the truth. Then he respected people's choices. He spoke the truth. Then he respected people's choices. In fact, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, said, if the believer leaves, let him leave. 1 Corinthians 7.15. Didn't say pray, didn't say fast, didn't say beg, didn't say change. It says, if the, uh, believe, the unbeliever leave, let him leave. Now think about it. Now I know that there, there was a certain context he was talking about. But there are some people don't believe in the relationship. They don't believe in you. They don't believe in the relationship. They don't want the relationship. And they're telling you by their actions. They don't want this relationship. The Bible says if the people don't believe, let them leave. Jesus gave people the truth and then he allowed them to make choices. Jesus, now I want you to listen to me. Jesus did not waste time on insecure people. He did not waste time on people who attacked him. And he did not waste time on people who did not want to change, refuse to change. Jesus spent all that time talking to those Pharisees, trying to talk them in. And many of you, you're trying to talk and trying to make a relationship work. Now, I want to close with some concluding remarks, and I want you to think about this because this is our, our verse session. Just want to spend 30 minutes with you today, and next week we'll pick up, next Thursday at 7, we'll pick up back here. But I got some, I got some things I want to say to you. Number one, no matter how sincere and committed a person is, one person is not enough to make a relationship work. Now, I want you to make a note of that because that's powerful. No matter how sincere and committed a person is, one person is not enough to make a relationship work. I don't care how sincere you just want it. You want the relationship. You're so committed to the relationship. That's wonderful. And God honors your sincerity and your commitment. But one person is not enough to make a relationship work. Number two, no matter what changes you make in yourself, no matter what changes you make in yourself, those changes 
will not help a person who has issues unrelated to you. I'll say that again. No matter what changes you make in yourself, those changes will not help a person who has issues unrelated to you. So you're trying to make this thing work. You're trying to make the relationship work. You're fasting, you're praying, you're confessing, you're doing all these things. You're making all the kind of changes you can make. Everything. You're changing the way you're talking, the way you're dressing. You change who you hang out with. And you're changing this and you're changing that for that person. You keep changing, 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 changing for the person. But what if that person has issues unrelated to you? Then no change in you is going to make that relationship work. Number three, stop wasting your time trying to impress people who are committed to not liking you. Wow. Did you get that? Stop wasting your time trying to impress people who are committed to not liking you. There are some people, they are committed. They don't like you and they're never going to like you. And, it, and you're trying to impress people that are committed to not like you, who are committed to not liking you. Number four, and this is something I want you to listen to this. Don't cheapen the beauty of God's workmanship in you by being or appearing to be desperate. I need to say that again. I, I, I can see right now you're saying, say that again. Okay, say that again, Mike. Say that again. Okay, I'll say it again. Don't cheapen the beauty of God's workmanship in you by being or appearing to be desperate. Nobody wants anyone who's desperate. God, you're God's workmanship, so don't cheapen his workmanship by appearing or being desperate. Number five, people who need everyone to like them usually do not like themselves. People who need everyone to like them, you just need everybody to affirm you, everybody to like you, usually do not like themselves. Do you like yourself? If nobody loves you, if nobody wants you, that does not mean you're not wantable or unloving, lovable. You should love yourself. Number six, toxic people and this is why relationships don't work most of the time in toxic relationships. Toxic people will often become resentful, frustrated, or angry when you set boundaries. That's the truth. And that's why they don't work. Most of the time they don't work because toxic people often become resentful when you set boundaries. They get frustrated when you set boundaries. They get angry when you set boundaries. I want to close by sharing something that the Spirit of God said to me just this morning. The lesson was already prepared. I was preparing to come uh, to share with you 
get, I was preparing to get ready to share with you. And the spirit of God quickened the text to me, quickened the scripture to me. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And here's what that text says. God spoke to Samuel, the prophet, and he said, how long are you going to mourn over Saul, seeing how I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I have provided me a son from his sons. I have provided me a king from his son. So, so God said to, 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 God said to Saul, cause God said to Samuel, the prophet, God rejected Saul and, and, and Samuel was weeping. He was crying. He was mourning. And God said to Samuel, the prophet, how long are you going to mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him. I provided me a king from Jesse's son. So God is saying that to you. How long are you going to mourn over someone that rejected you? How long are you going to mourn over someone who didn't want to invest in it? How long are you going to mourn over something that God got you out of? How long are you going to try? How long are you going to cry over lost pain, lost rejection, lost hurt, lost unfaithfulness? How long are you going to mourn over something that God wanted you to get out of? God has provided somebody else for you. That's what he told him. He said, I don't provided me somebody else. So stop mourning over something that God got you out of and open your heart to who God has for you next. Listen, I got to stop. But next time we're going to we're going to jump in there. What is a toxic relationship and signs and symptoms? We're going to get in there. Thank you for spending the